Well, in that hymn, we uh, sang about hearing Jesus, but how do you see Jesus? How do you see Him? We hear a lot from Him. We hear His voice. But how do we see Him? Do you see Him in the way that He's often portrayed in the movies and TV? You know, a kind of uh, a stoic mystic type of Jesus. I don't know. Do you remember that old uh, Jesus of Nazareth, that, tele- that uh, miniseries from 1977? I know that's going back a few years. Boy, I tell you, that, that, that portrayal by Robert Powell is still the most famous portrayal of Jesus, and it has stuck with Western culture for 40 or so years. And if you haven't seen that movie, you can watch all 382 minutes of it online. But I can save you the time and just get to the point why I bring this up. You know, pretty much in movies of the past, you know, Jesus is portrayed as unmoved by anything. You know, very Shakespearean. Which is interesting, since the movies are usually related on the four Gospels. And just in this reading from Matthew today, we see Jesus moved in quite a big way which shows his humanness is even more remarkable. Now, if this was a regular night Sunday after Pentecost, you would have heard the gospel reading from Matthew begin with, Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But if you're like me, and you need your memory jogged a little bit, you might say to yourself, when Jesus heard what? He withdrew from where? So that's why I included those uh, verses beforehand, so that we get a little, little better idea of what's going on. Now, in chapter 13 of Matthew, he recounts, Matthew recounts the parables Jesus told to his disciples. So there's a lot of hearing Jesus, and we love to hear Jesus. But Matthew takes a turn in the action at the start of chapter 14. And I feel like mentioning that on the original parchment Matthew wrote this on or on the copies that were made after. You know, there were no chapter numbers or verse numbers. You know, it was just one continuous text. So the reader or the hearers had to discern the changes in thought and action by listening and hearing the context of the story. So that's what happens when Jesus was rejected in his hometown, Nazareth, which we heard last Sunday. Then the story goes to the death of John the Baptist. Then Matthew recounts Jesus doing something. When he heard that his cousin had been killed by Herod, he retreated in a boat. He got away from the shore of the lake in Galilee, probably way out. You know, it's, a, it's big. So you can be well alone if you go far enough out. Anyway, It was terrible news for Jesus. His cousin and his forerunner, who had prepared thousands of people to receive faith and enter the kingdom of God, was killed. Maybe you can see his face drop and his shoulders sag as he hears the news. Yeah, he's not the stoic mystic we're used to, to, thanks to Hollywood, but a real person like you and me when we get bad news 
of someone very close to us who's died. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us what Jesus said in response to the news, but we do see what he needs. Time alone to himself. Makes you wonder, though. Could he have brought John the Baptist back to life? Oh, sure he could have. In fact, you even get a little hint of this when some people thought that he had been brought back to life. He could have brought back uh, John the Baptist back to life with just a thought. He could have rejoined the head and body somehow or just make a new John with a voice of command. But he didn't do that. And interesting, isn't it, whom he chooses to resurrect and whom he chooses not to? He resurrected Lazarus and the little girl. Who were they to him compared to his cousin? One thing is for sure. Jesus was moved by John's death to the point he literally moved away from everyone for a time. And this gives us some insight into who Jesus is. He's been a busy man doing important work for people. He's been teaching, healing, traveling with his disciples. But sometimes you got to drop everything and spend a little time leaning on God, our Father. Especially when the weight of the heart on the, on the heart and shoulders seems too heavy to bear alone. Can you see Jesus praying to his Father? The next time we see Jesus, he sees the crowd gathering around him. A great crowd. In the Greek, it's mega, right? Mega precedes any word. It means huge, humongous. They might have been there because they heard about John the Baptist too and wanted to know what Jesus had to say about it. Perhaps they wanted more healing, more teaching, more time with this man of God. There may be 2,000, 3,000 people by now. Whatever. Can you imagine that many people trying to get close to one person? There's no seating. There's no bathrooms, there's no vendors, there's no microphones, there's no platform for Jesus to stand on so everyone can see him and hear him. What a logistical mess this must have been. You and I would have probably stayed in the boat, but Jesus steps out of the boat back into humanity, and he shows so much compassion to these people that have gathered around And we see him begin to heal the sick among them. Can you see him doing this? Do you see him running through the crowd to the sick person? I mean, he knows exactly who needs what, right? Or do you see them hobbling or being carried up to him? Either way, we see him setting aside his weight and his burdens, great as they were, in order to carry the burdens of this enormous crowd of people. Jesus' needs were great. We just saw that. He needed time to grieve in prayer, alone with his Father, in devotion, reflection, and sadness, but he drops it all to take care of others. See him place his hands on them, or just speaking the word, and they jump in joy as cattle from the stall, the bandages come off, 
people clutching their eyes and ears because now they can see and hear? What does the person who's caring for thousands look like? We've all seen frantic hosts, servers, nurses, teachers trying to care for just a few and barely making it. Maybe you've been in the position yourself and you felt you needed eight arms and hands to care for everybody. But 5,000 or so in bad shape, as the original language translates it, how can you do that? How fast would you have to move? You and I wouldn't take the time to hear everyone's stories, not even for a, for a, mom, for a moment, but <clears throat> that would seem so unlike Jesus, wouldn't it? Did time slow down or did he speed up? <laughs> we don't know, but it's an amazing thing to picture in your mind. An ordinary man who we, of course, know to be the quite extraordinary son of God, seeing to the needs of a massive gathering of people. Jesus isn't the only one to notice this outrageous crowd, though, and their overwhelming needs. Matthew shows us their perplexed faces of the disciples as they begin to notice people getting hungry. And the nearest town, Tiberias, is several miles away, isn't going to be able to help them. They saw their own inability to properly care for this great crowd, and it worried them. Finally, one of them says to Jesus, uh, <laughs> Jesus, we happen to know there, uh, we, there are a lot of people here, and it's getting late in the day, and their homes are far away. Doesn't look like they brought anything to eat. We don't have anything for them to eat. The Domino's Pizza in Tiberias won't deliver out this far. Jesus, we've got to send them all home. You've got to send them home. But can't you see Jesus? You know, he's still healing the sick, not even looking over his shoulder to see which disciple it is who's, ta- who's talking to him, say, don't send them home. Let's feed them. And we know the rest of the story. You know, one of the most famous scenes, most famous works of Jesus in the New Testament, everyone ate until they were full, which was probably a rare thing for these people in this place and time, you know, unless you were Wealthy and healthy. Have you ever wondered, though, if the people sitting far away who couldn't see what was going on with the loaves and fishes and when Jesus prayed and the baskets were filled, you know, uh, did the people realize that a miracle had just taken place? Did they really know what was happening? What did they see? What did they hear? Did they know... They were just getting, they had just gotten a brief glimpse of the kingdom of God, a foretaste of their future forever with God. Maybe for the people way, way back, probably not. You know, the meal itself seems rather plain, doesn't it? And rather mundane. Bread and fish, you know. Nothing fancy prepared with oils and herbs and spices or any of that. Nevertheless, it's still a glimpse of heaven where the feast will always be enough and more than enough because Jesus is there. You know, he smashes the disciples' best efforts at multiplication and trying to figure out the logistics. 
And he smashes the cynic's best efforts at explanation of this miracle. You know, he changes the rules of order with nature when he feeds 5,000 with meager supplies. See him provide. The Spirit inspired Matthew to record this miraculous event to carry us through life. This life. And it's not just about food. It's about all our needs for living and loving God and loving each other. So a recap of what we've seen in this reading. We've seen Jesus fall under the weight of sorrow at his cousin's death. We saw his face lifted as he works all hours of the day healing people. And we've seen his face pointed to heaven as his bread feeds thousands. Now picture his face in your life. Have you seen him through the simple but kind words of holy comfort and conversation spoken by a loved one or a friend at just the right time you needed it? I hope so. Or is it in the memory of assurance of when he claimed you as his own at your baptism? Is it in the small meal of a wafer and a little bit of wine that's given for your forgiveness and life and salvation? In this life, you and I need all those moments when God feeds us and cares for us and our needs because this life is filled with trouble and pain, the pain of death that we can't bear along with diseases we can't control or understand and heartache and hunger we can't overcome alone. But the promise of Jesus is we aren't alone, even when we step away to catch our breath. Because the one who was crucified for us and our sin, he looked so ordinary hanging there on the cross. And he died with the promise that he would conquer death. And in his resurrection, we have a glimpse of what new life in him looks like today, right now, and forevermore. See him die on the cross and walk out of the tomb for you. Until that day when we sit together at the table uh, on the new earth, celebrating and enjoying the feast of always enough and more, we gather around the simple places such as the altar where Jesus feeds us now with enough to carry us through in simple things like his word and promises. See him work again and again for you. Amen.